Hey guys, welcome to Rankin' Vile, the podcast ranking every single horror movie ever made. And this is Ryan. And this is Quincy. How's it going, Quincy? How's your week going? So, since the last time we recorded, it's been a Record Store Day. Uh, Ooh. And I went and picked up an untenable amount of records, uh, one of which was The Evening with the Munsters, which oh, was shit. a re-release of a... Um, a novelty record. I've, I've all of a sudden, it, it's like that Hemingway quote. How did your novelty record collection start? Uh, <laughs> little by little, and then suddenly all at once. Yeah. Like, oh my god. The I, amount th- of like weird sixties horror records I own of just like. <laughs> We got Fred Gwynn to talk into a recorder for an hour, and we we pressed it on wax. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the thing, though. Like I uh, I kind of stand by novelty records. Like, have you heard uh, Freddie's greatest hits? <laughs> I haven't. It uh, so obviously this was at, like the height of Freddy Krueger mania, and they basically what they did was um, they they did an album with like a group of session musicians. And they did a combination of like doing uh, covers of things like "All I Have to Do Is Dream" and you know, obviously stuff like that. Uh, do the Freddy, which was apparently uh, a forced dance that people tried getting going back in the day. Oh, um, but what's incredible is that they they brought Robert Englund into the studio and just sort of had him do Freddy lines. Um, and I choose to believe that Freddy's greatest hits is canon, and him yelling at a saxophone player, "Yeah, you got it," is like. <laughs> That's canon. Freddie Freddie did that. See, that's um, exciting because I got um, a subscription to the Terror Vision uh, cassette club for my birthday, Ooh, and the first release was Freddie's Nightmares um, score. Oh shit! Yes, honestly, Freddie's Nightmares. I don't know when they're going to release that fucking. It's two seasons of it. Like, can we please just get a Blu-ray? Um, I've got uh, news for you. One exists, although you have to go through questionable channels to get it. <laughs> the thing is, I've I've seen all of the first season entirely because um, back in the day. So you remember, do you remember the channel Chiller? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Apparently, they they did a marathon on Chiller uh, back in the day of all of Freddy's nightmares and some intrepid soul. It's like they knew somehow that like you know what eventually some sad soul named Ryan is going to be Googling uh, Freddy's Nightmares 1, 2, 3 movies watch online free. (laughs) And they're going to need something taped from Chiller. And anyway, yeah, like that series, wildly uneven, but I just just feel like it should be out there in a physical format. Speaking of wildly uneven, let's talk about our movie for this week. (laughs) Hachimachi. So the movie we're doing uh, this week is uh, Child's Play 2 from 1990. Um, This was like a couple of years after the the first movie. Um, And this movie, uh, it's to me better than it has any right to be. But also like it's I mean, it's a killer doll movie, but I feel like it does a lot with the parts it has. Yeah, I think the thing that's most fascinating about the Child's Play franchise is the same thing that fascinates me about Garbage Pail Kids, which is these are <laughs> media entities made explicitly to parody Cabbage Patch dolls. Right, which then sort of, you know, makes you wonder who is the target audience for the Quincy, did you um, watch any of the Child's Play movies when you were a kid or did you come to it later? Or? I came to Child's Play much later. So I'm not quite sure. 
I, I think like Child's Play was the late 80s, early 90s version of Five Nights at Freddy's. It's very <laughs> much the let's yeah. take this thing for children and make it scary. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. And especially because of the fact that, I mean, this was uh, directed, uh, the first one was directed by Tom Holland, not the young British uh, twink who plays Spider-Man, but uh, the, the the director, Tom Holland, who did Fright Night. Um, and he did the first one. And then after that, like, this series is basically Don Mancini's baby. Yeah, it, it, pretty much everyone except for the remake that no one wants to talk about. <laughs> Oof. And even then, though, that remake, it's not, like, it's not a child's play movie. I feel like they didn't do that movie any fucking favors because, like, it explored a lot of really cool stuff. But the problem is that I'm just, like, pissed off because I'm like, stop. It's not my real Chucky. Like, it just didn't work as a child's play thing. But, like, it had some it had, it had some cool ideas. But ultimately, they really shouldn't have been trying to trade on the name. Oh, yeah, for sure. So... It's just strange to me that Cabbage Patch dolls are no longer a thing. Like, Mm -hmm. all of these media um, properties have outlived the thing they were parodying. (laughs) That's a great point. Like, Garbage Pail Kids, I feel like there's... Like, no one is really nostalgic for Cabbage Patch dolls in the way that people are nostalgic for Garbage Pail Kids. And I feel like Garbage Pail Kids was... Part of the sort of cracked magazine kind of like the the dumbest possible parody of this thing um, that somehow works. Yeah, and somehow they're still making new, <laughs> clever garbage pill kids cards. You know, several what? years ago they did a Halloween um, horror movie pack, Ooh. and they were excellent because they were doing Westworld cards and the Metaluna <laughs> mutant from. <laughs> Universal Pictures. Oh my god. It's going to be really fucked up when they start doing uh, Hannibal, uh, NBC Hannibal Garbage Pail Kids. <laughs> um, I feel like Frederick Chilton is already a Garbage Pail Kid as a person. Um, the thing is, Child's Play as a franchise, um, I was exposed to Child's Play when I was about eight years old because I had a teenaged babysitter who was fantastically irresponsible <laughs> with her babysitting methods. Um, because she showed my brother and I, uh, child's play and then, you know, it scared the shit out of us. And then because my mom was going to be out really late, my, uh, the babysitter was like, if you get out of bed after I put you to bed, Chucky's going to come out from under your bed and kill you. Um, and so we were like, okay, staying in bed, you know? And so I was like terrified of, uh, Chucky as an entity for much of my life. Um, and here's the thing, you know, like when you, when you talk about Chucky, I feel like a lot of people are like whatever man like that's not that's not scary it's just a doll just kick the doll no no listen to me if a doll voiced by brad duriff is running screaming at me with a butcher knife i'm not gonna be cool about this yeah yeah what i really like about this movie particularly uh of all of the child's play movies is the amount of times an adult is playing opposite this killer doll and is like harrowed and in and and acting like they're in actual peril mm-hmm. it's really uh, incredible there's a scene in this movie where chucky is uh carjacking a guy with a squirt <laughs> gun but the guy doesn't know it's a squirt gun. <laughs> the guy doesn't question that he's held at gunpoint by a doll he's just like all right checks out where do you want to go <laughs> <laughs> like he ain't asking questions here, which I think is smart. Actually, if a if a doll has me at gunpoint, I'm also not asking a whole lot of questions. This is also though immediately following him trying to buy 
vodka at a liquor store and being turned down from using his gold card because the liquor store only takes cash. Man, all right, so here's here's a question. Uh, okay, Quincy, late 80s, early 90s. Was making jokes about credit cards like a huge cultural thing during this time? It must be, because it was a big, like, you know, charge it. I mean, mall madness and, and all the like. I think it was a, a moment that... I guess we missed just barely. Yeah, and now like nobody carries loose cash. Like we all have some kind of a debit or credit card. Like I feel like it was like it was it wasn't quite like quite like a moral panic, but people loved riffing on like you know, in Friday the thirteenth part uh six, you get the lady trying to bribe Jason with her credit cards and then he stabs her and then she dies face down in a puddle and the cards are floating on the puddle where it's like, ah, we're making commentary about something. Um, sure. Don't don't think about it too hard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Jason. Jason uh, is a guy against capitalism. Now, this movie, we you know, we start after the events of the first movie where uh, Chucky gets like flambéed um, at the end of the first shots movie, just like you know, burned to a crisp. And then this movie, for some fucking reason, the uh, the company that makes good guys uh, decides to scrape up the burnt husk of Chucky. And, like, rebuild him to prove that he didn't kill people? Inscrutable. (laughs) Absolutely (laughs) inscrutable plot point. Because they're like, we have to rebuild it to make sure that it's not a killer doll. (laughs) Right, right. And so they, like, lovingly sort of, you know, and, and, and they've got, you know, they've got it sewn up. This big fucking factory, this is the biggest set piece I think I've ever seen in a horror movie. It is bananas because it is just a huge soundstage filled with the most Rube Goldbergian <laughs> doll machine and like hooks carrying partial dolls and like injection molds and all kinds of craziness. And of course, the climax of the movie is here and, you know, everyone is being chased around this factory. Just the amount of time spent in this factory makes this movie pretty special. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I'm I'm gonna throw this out there. The third act of this movie, I think, is probably my favorite third act of a horror sequel, where like they make so much use of this factory. It's almost like like a you know when you were a kid and you get like a Spider-Man playset where it's like the Daily Bugle and you've got the water tower full of goo and you've got the breakaway brick wall like. This, the third act of this movie does so much cool shit with this factory setting. Yeah, they really made hay while the sun shined uh, on this one. So for some reason, the good guys people rebuild Chucky and he immediately electrocutes a factory worker. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, which I really like that, you know what, like no muss, no fuss, hot out of the gate, Chucky is killing people. He electrocutes a guy and, like, throws him through a plate glass window uh, while they're putting eyes in the Chucky doll. Um, the Now, I will also say, uh, you know, they, 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 re, they put Chucky back together for some fucking reason. Uh, it's the same actor who plays Andy Barkley, who was the kid from the first movie. Um, I think that the kid who plays Andy is just an outstanding kid actor. He's really good, especially... In, uh, yet again, another scene where they just have a Chucky doll that they hang around his neck and just, or like, pretend that this doll is 
grabbing onto you and run like hell and he's he's game for it yeah like and i i do think that it's rough being a child actor because everybody fucking hates you and is like horrible to you if you're a child actor because they're like whatever you're annoying which may or may not be true sometimes you get a mop it in a movie that you don't particularly care for but the guy that plays um Andy, who also shows up way later on in the series and in the TV show that's running right now, which, by the way, that TV show fucking rips. Yeah, I'm excited to watch it. It's it's so good. Um, now, Andy is uh, sort of... So his mom, who knows that Chucky is a killer doll, I think has been... Uh, I think she's in a psych ward uh, at the, the top of this movie. Yeah, she's she's been removed and and Andy's been placed in um, foster care. Yeah, uh, and the lady uh, who's the head of the adoption agency who uh, plays Laura Palmer's mom on Twin Peaks, so 1990, a very good year to be her. Um, and she, you know, she she places them with this family. I will say this is the worst foster family I've ever seen. <laughs> They're pretty bad in a category of, like, monstrous characters. Uh, Foster family parents are always, like, a really good go-to trope in a horror franchise for, like, awful, soulless people. Uh, But this couple is very bad. (laughs) Yeah, um, the the dad uh, played the dad in Terror Vision, oddly enough. Um, he's He's got a fun face. He's got a beak. Um, and it's great because when they're adopting Andy, for some reason, the guy is like, you know, they're talking about the kid like, oh, yeah, his mom went crazy and a bunch of people died. And then the guy's like, I don't know. He seems normal enough. Like, <laughs> this little, what he's got to uh, just wipe him off a little bit. He's fine. What? Um, and then immediately this guy is like, oh, we've gone too far. We got to send this kid back. <laughs> he's a dud. He's a dud. Yeah. Yeah. And which, by the way, I, I'm just going to throw this out there. If you're a foster family who's just adopted a traumatized child maybe don't have the loudest screaming arguments uh, in the world in your enormous house about how this is not your real child and you should just give him away. Oof. It is rough. (laughs) Now, this house, uh, it looks like the Simpsons house. Yeah, it's very um, evergreen terrace. Yeah, just like a lot of pinks and blues. Um, and we're introduced to uh, Andy's sort of older sister character, who is an, uh, an adopted kid named Kyle, and she is an excellent older kid in a horror movie, I feel. Yeah, she's smoking cigarettes and being a <laughs> jerk to her foster mom. Yeah, when, when she's introduced, she is wearing like a backwards like leather biker cap and a gold chain like she's in fucking Run DMC, like... Kyle is the fucking coolest. This actor is like 28 and she's like, whatever. Yeah, I'm 17. whoop de fucking do um, And she is unimpressed with this family, I think, generally. Like, she's got a pretty good rapport with Andy. Yeah, uh, their, their um, foster mom is like, Kyle, why haven't you unpacked? And she's like, why bother? You're just going to send me away. Um, which, I mean, to Kyle's defense... Her foster father does regularly talk about sending children back to the foster home. Yeah, they they start every morning with like flipping a coin like, hey, Kyle, guess what heads is? Like, (laughs) you're going home, kiddo. Uh, Yeah, they're like, at this point, why are you adopting kids if you treat this like it's the worst fucking thing that's ever happened to you? Like, did you know that you don't have to do this? Yeah, what's also crazy is... um, 
which I guess this is meant to show like characterization what the characterization is not totally settled on mm-hmm. but they have this figurine this like ceramic precious moments style figurine that's like this was passed down to my from my grandmother to my mother down to me and now I'll pass it down to my well I guess I can't have my own children so I'll pass it down to whoever mm-hmm. and it gets broken by Chucky Chucky you know sneaks in the house and he thrashes the shit out of this thing he's a real stinker and, and yeah ain't he a stinker and their immediate reaction is Andy you fucked this up you terrible lying child uh, <laughs> you're the worst it's just incredible. Like, yeah, I'm going to hand this porcelain doll off to whichever kid I decide I can tolerate the longest, which may be three days. But at the end of that three days, they get my my priceless porcelain figurine. Um, now, what's also uh, incredible to me is that uh, when Andy goes to his new room, he opens the closet, and what should come tumbling out of the closet but a good guy doll named Tommy. Um, and obviously, if you're Andy Barkley, you know, and you've just been talking with a psychologist about how you constantly have fucking nightmares because you're traumatized by the the possessed doll that killed people um why is there a like why is there a good guy doll in this closet did they know about what this kid's been through not enough to do their due diligence <laughs> like i don't it's just because it's I, like you had one job <laughs> it's like just please Keep the kid who's traumatized by good guy dolls away from the good guy dolls. It's all you have to do. <laughs> you had two jobs. One of them was not verbally abuse children. You fuck that one up. The other one was do not have a good guy's doll anywhere in this house. Um, and they like they don't get rid of it right away. I don't understand why they're not just like, oh Jesus, sorry kiddo. I know you're traumatized. Here, let's. I'll 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 th- I'll chuck this thing out. I'll throw it in the dump. Yeah, they're just like, they just put it in the other room, and then Chucky buries it in the backyard. Does this doll have, like, compromat on them? Like, why are they so reluctant <laughs> to fucking put this doll on a bus? They're like, all right, well, obviously, uh, Tommy the good guy doll is more of a beloved member of this family than you or Kyle, so, you know, they're gonna stay, but we'll try to keep you out of each other's paths. Um the scene with Chucky burying Tommy the good guy doll is incredible to me. <laughs> it's so good. Like, you get this, like, Tarantino trunk shot from the grave that Chucky d- digs for Tommy. And, like, he's just cackling. There's, like, thunder and lightning, and he's just burying this doll. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. So we've got to talk about uh, Chucky strangling this um, good guy's corporate exec. Oh my god. So he, the, the the mucky muck who, for whatever reason, um, has put Chucky in the car. Why? Wh- where is he taking Chucky at this point? So his boss is like, get rid of him. Which which I love how they're like, okay, we've reconstituted this doll. Mm-hmm. And the boss is immediately like, I don't care. Just get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, sure, we'll just write it off. It's it's a tax write-off. Who cares? <laughs> It's really hard to write off possessed dolls on 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 your taxes. So so what I really like is this toy company executive, uh, junior exec has a car filled with toys. Yeah, which is also great because he also has a super nineteen ninety cell phone. 
that um, Chucky uses the phone to try to find out where Andy Barkley lives. Um, now, I will also say, Brad DeRiff, as we've talked about on this podcast many times, Brad DeRiff, uh, one of our finest uh, character actors. We don't deserve him. He's so great. <laughs> we truly do not. He, every single time he voices Chucky, he just commits as much as he possibly can, and it's just fucking fantastic. But so my uh, good guy's uh, mucky muck uh, with the glasses comes back to the car, uh, gets held at uh, gunpoint, and then gets his wrists tied behind the seat with a jump rope. And then Chucky uses a plastic bag to, like, put it over his face and just suffocate him. Yeah, just just suffocates him to death. And it's shown. And that, <laughs> kill, that kill goes fucking hard, I feel. Yeah, it's, it's probably the most gruesome point in the movie. Yeah, and also, the, the deaths in this movie, I feel like, are extremely fun or extremely upsetting. Yeah, and there's no middle ground. It's just like, okay, wacky electrocution and with with like animated lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah, you know what it is? It's like that match that uh, Candice LeRae uh, had against the Young Bucks, where it veers back and forth between the Young Bucks, like dumping out a bag that you think is full of thumbtacks and it's just full of gummy bears. And then right after that, they kick Candice LeRae in the face with a thumbtack shoe and she's bleeding everywhere where it's like... This movie has no setting between genuinely horrifying and upsetting deaths and extremely goofy deaths. Yeah, it's just all or nothing. Um, now, it doesn't take long for Chucky to reveal himself to Andy. Like, 30 minutes into this movie, and he's, like, got Andy tied to a bed, and he's like, What up, fucko? I'm gonna pos- <laughs> I'm. It's been a minute. I'm gonna possess you. Just hold still. And then, you know, they obviously it's like a drawing room comedy every time Chucky tries possessing Andy. Yeah, it just shenanigans ensue. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, Chucky is in the mix and Andy knows about it. Um, and what's incredible is that after Chucky attempts to possess him, the dad just goes, fine, you know what? You know, and he grabs Chucky and takes him to the basement instead of to the garbage can. Um I don't, I don't understand, but he throws him is down into the basement. saying something about, like, the value of a Cabbage Patch Kids doll? Like, these are such a hot <laughs> toy that they're, like, this is the Turbo Man of its, of its Christmas year. You don't want to, like, get rid of it. It's... Yeah, yeah. Proto-Furby. He's just like, well, hey, now, you know, there's, there's significant resale value on the, on the <laughs> doll. So we're not going to leave money on the table here. I know you were traumatized by all the murder and whatnot, but let's, let's not be crazy. Um... Now we get, you know, Andy goes to school. This teacher is incredible, I feel. Yeah, she's very much the um stereotypical like school marm. Yeah, she's she's a teacher that would be blasted through the ceiling by D Snyder from Twisted Sister for sure. <laughs> like she's just she like does no, listen wear here, a cravat. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> she's wearing a cravat and a just say no pin. Um it's it's incredible. Her name is Miss Kettlewell and she Now, this is for some reason, she's reading Pinocchio to a classroom full of, like, third graders? Now, my teacher, when I was in school, did uh, read-alouds. And, like, after lunch would just read a book to us. Oh, that's kind of dope, actually. Yeah, it was actually pretty nice. Shit. That's, yeah. I mean, Miss Kettlewell, aside from that, not very nice. Because she decides to bully Andy? Because Yeah, the, he... Uh, so what's the deal? He gets um like fucked with by the kid behind him and then 
Mrs. Kettlewell's like, Andy, shut the fuck up. I don't tolerate <laughs> shenanigans in my classroom. Yeah, yeah. She tells him, like, you know, as the new student, you know, it would behoove you to try to get on my good side. And it's like, this is a child. What are you talking about? You're an adult. Uh, Yet again, like, the, the adults who just, like, lose their shit in this movie. So Chucky follows Andy to school. And finds his paperwork and writes, like, fuck you, you fucking bitch, or something like that on the the quiz. And Mrs. Kettlewell loses her shit on Andy. (laughs) This, yeah. Forces him face down into the desk and is like, uh, just stay here. She gives him like a running bulldog onto a task where she's just like, head on the desk, you little shit. Um, now, like, Chucky is one of many adults verbally abusing children in this movie. Uh, Miss Kettlewell's not having this. And I love, by the way, that Chucky has time uh, to take out of his day to just like fuck with Andy academically by defacing one of his papers. <laughs> like,. Like, really thanks. the the full service yeah yeah he he's he wears a lot of hats um but so uh chucky uh is like locked in the 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 coat closet of this classroom and now this was a scene actually um i think i've talked about it before um that when i was uh like in my uh early early teens i'd picked up from suncoast video uh, a vhs uh, uh called boogeymen and it was just like like pre a pre YouTube compilation of kills from horror movies. Yeah, kind of like Terror in the Isles. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Only much stupider with "I'm Your Boogeyman" by White Zombie on the soundtrack. Um, and this was the death that was included for Child's Play, which was uh, Chucky beating Miss Kettlewell to death with a ruler, but not before Quincy. There's a thing that's been haunting me for like two decades because of that boogeyman tape. Okay, Chucky stabs Miss Kettlewell with a bike pump. And she goes, go! And then he pumps the bike pump and it sends her flying across the room. (laughs) Sends like a deflated balloon. She goes shooting from this bike pump. Am I going crazy? Is that what happens in this movie? It is what happens. What's insane is also there's a bike pump in this classroom closet. (laughs) Yeah, we need that. That's got to be here. Is that for like inflating like uh, gym balls or something? I think it's for for the sporting balls. It's it's mm-hmm. to cuz there's also like changes of clothes and I've never seen a closet like this in my life. No, the bike pump is, is also for granting Miss Kettlewell the power of flight. Um, <laughs> it just sends her flying. Uh, he he kills her with the ruler, which, like, it's fun, I guess, as a thing, because, you know, I think the idea is, you know, you're a kid in a, a, a an eat-my-shorts-man Bart Simpson shirt. You know, surely you want to watch, you know, stuffy Miss Bitterman getting, like, beaten with a ruler by a demonic doll or something. Um, it's fun, I guess. I I would say it's fun. Um, she is kind of like... The, it's in... It's very much in the um, Twisted Sister vein of, like, stuffy authority figure gets yeeted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she does... Yeah, she... It's... It's pretty incredible. They never really touch on this again. They're never like, oh boy, did you see Miss Kettlewell got horribly beaten to death in a classroom? Like, they, they never they never really go back to it. Um, now, at this point, you know, Chucky uh, is, uh, you know, killing people. Andy goes back to his family and he's like, 
Hey guys, uh, Chucky's back. I'm having a pretty bad time. And they're like, allow us to respond to your trauma by talking loudly about how much we hate you and want to get rid of you. Yeah. Now, describe this dad's neck breaking. <sighs> Holy shit. Okay, so the dad from TerraVision who... Remember uh, that thing where we said either the, <laughs> the, the kills are comical bike pump <laughs> related... <laughs> And then the most gory, gruesome things ever. It's goddamn. So uh, the guy whose name is Phil, and I remember that his name is Phil because he is going down into the basement and he's trying to talk to Andy about how like there's no such thing as Chucky and it, I'm I'm an adult and I'm I my shirt is tucked in and I've had just about enough of this. And he's walking down these stairs. His leg falls through the stairs and he's hanging upside down. And in his last moments, he looks and sees Chucky. Who, who just says, how's it hanging, Phil? And then Phil falls and breaks his neck so much. Like, so much this neck gets broken. It's just like, at an impossible angle, and the crunch on the ADR is just... I feel like they used, like, th you know, they had three great takes for this sound, liked them all, and then just added them all together. Yeah, just layered them like a fucking Tuscan Raider call. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so he just eats shit on this concrete, breaks his neck, um, and at this point, you know, Chucky also uh, slits the throat of the mom in a pretty upsetting reveal where she's in a chair and then the chair rotates around and you just see that her throat has been cut. Like, it's upsetting. Yeah, so then Kyle and Andy uh, go on the run and we get this wonderful, like, Willy Wonka-ass toy factory <laughs> yeah not not before though um for, for some reason they go back to adoption agency lady and she has a fun death which is that she gets her face bashed into a photocopier until dead and of course we get little xeroxes of her face going go up against the the scanner which is fun so it's like awful death fun death awful death fun death <laughs> Yeah, they, they like to mix it up. Um, now, this uh, factory uh, ending is... Now, uh, what we get is Chucky trying to possess Andy because the longer he spends uh, in the doll body, the more he's going to be trapped in it. And if he's in it for too long, he's, you know, the, the body's starting to become more organic. It's got blood and flesh, like... This movie does some really, really incredible body horror, I think. Oh, yeah. It's very creepy to have a doll turn into flesh. I mean, not as creepy as having a doll sire other dolls as we get in the <laughs> seed of Chucky. But Mad. Which, also a non-binary icon, the uh, the baby from Seed of Chucky. Um, the Now, here's the thing. Uh, Chucky, uh, gets, he try he does the, the incantation on Andy and he tries possessing him and it turns out that he's been in the body too long so now he's gonna kill Andy. I love Chucky's arc in these movies which starts with, I am the ghost of a serial killer slash bank robber? It's unclear. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's one of them petty criminals who's killed like 20 people. Um, and he, you know, he starts the series out being like, I want to be a human again. By around Curse of Chucky, he's like, actually, I've looked at it and decided that being a killer doll fucking rules. This is who I am now. 
This is me now. <laughs> this is who I really am. It's it's great. Um, now Chucky gets his hand ripped off because Kyle like shuts it in a little gate. We get this like extended harrowing sequence of a meat doll prying his arm out from under this gate and just ripping his own hand off. Yeah, and then because why not replacing his hand with a knife blade? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't. Quincy, I don't understand why he does this. You could just hold a knife in your other hand. Why do you need to, like, take a knife and jam it painfully and horribly down into your doll stump? Like, why? You could just hold a knife, my guy. I guess it's rule of cool. It just, you have mm. to have it look like that. Oh, for yeah. I think, you're, yeah, you're totally right. Um, we, and then Fun Death, uh, one of the factory workers uh, gets his throat cut, uh, which is upsetting, but then he's on a conveyor belt and he gets two doll eyes plugged into his real eyes and he dies like that. Good times. <laughs> it's, it's just great. Um, Chucky gets his shit wrecked uh, during this factory scene. Yeah, he gets, like, covered in plastic, and, like, he gets all melty. Yeah, we, we get this, like, it's like he, uh, there's this, like, weird chamber that just attaches a shitload of doll parts to things for no real reason. Um, that's part of the Rube Goldberg device. Uh, Chucky gets trapped in it, and then it's like he went through the telepod chamber from the fly with a bunch of other Chuckies, so he's just, like, this horrible Katamari of limbs... Just, um, just a real goop of Chucky <laughs> dolls. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, Andy uses molten glue to cover Chucky, and then he's just this... It, he looks like the ending of Akira. Yeah, yeah, he's just like this gelatinous, molten mess. Yeah, and he, you know, he's... Totally he's... Rugos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, th- he is a deeply Rugos guy by the end of this movie. And then finally... Um, which also, we gotta point out here, the practical effects in this movie are just so good. Like, Yeah, they really are. Um, do you know if this movie used actors for the long shots, or was that only for the first movie that they did that? That's a great question. I, I think I need to look into it more, because I know they used uh, actors to play Chucky when they actually needed somebody to walk around. Um... But this one, I think it might be purely puppets. Because the puppets are great. They look awesome. Yeah, they just fucking look fantastic. And I also love the the bookend thing of, like, of course this would end in a good guy's factory. Like, that's where you want this showdown. Like, the climax of this movie looks at the things that I want as somebody watching this movie and then gives me that, and I love that. Yeah, it's it's really great that... It's a horror franchise sequel that actually delivers on everything that the series has to offer. Yeah. Um, Friday the 13th could have done well to pay attention to their (laughs) contemporaries. It wasn't until part six that those movies kind of figured out what they did well and did it on purpose, only to then fuck that up for like the next two movies. Um, boy, I hate that franchise. Um, but so Chucky eventually, the way that he gets got in this movie, um, is that Kyle, um, you know, let's listen, live by the pump, die by the pump. Um, he gets like an air pump put in his mouth and it inflates him like the Mr. Creosote sketch from Meaning of Life. Um, and he just fucking explodes like a giant tumor full of cow parts. (laughs) 
Oh, so good. <laughs> so meaty, so disgusting. Uh, and then, you know, they walk out of the factory while the, uh, the score plays. And it's, you know, the, we, we don't need a huge denouement for, for this movie. We don't need a lot of fallout. It's like, all right, well, we exploded the killer doll. So, uh, all right, well, thanks for coming out, folks. So where do we want to put this movie on our list? That is a great question. So looking at our list, I feel like this is going to be like a middle of the lister for sure. Does that sound right? Yeah, I think you're right. It's not the greatest of the franchise, but it is certainly not the worst. <laughs> no, definitely not. And also, like, I've got such a soft spot for this franchise generally. Like, the worst the worst movie in this franchise is probably Child's Play 3. And even then, you've got fucking Andrew Robinson, like, Garrick from Deep Space Nine playing a perverted barber. You've got kids shooting each other accidentally with live ammunition. Like, it's... It's, it's a lot happening. Um, so going by uh, good sequels, at number 199, we have Blade 2, um, which obviously was just a fucking phenomenal sequel to Blade. Uh, Quincy, which is a better movie, Child's Play 2 or, Play, or Blade 2? I'm going to say Blade 2. Now, also at 201, we have uh, Cuckoo Banana sequels Hellraiser 3. Ooh, yeah, we do have Hellraiser 3. I feel like this is better than Hellraiser 3, I want to say. Oh, yeah, I think you're right. Because Hellraiser 3, like, I'm I'm fond of Hellraiser uh, 3, Hell on Earth, but it's also, like, that was, you could tell that this was uh, the makers of Hellraiser trying to, like, go Hollywood, and it's just the goofiest possible iteration of the, like, gothic, mystical shit from the first two movies. Yeah. But yeah, I, I feel like I'm giving the edge to Child's Play Child's Play 2 on that one. Um, scrolling a little bit. Uh, okay, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is at 195. Um, Hellbound Hellraiser 2 doesn't have a plot as such, but I'm still really fond of it. I don't know. What do you think? I, the thing that I most like about Hellbound Hellraiser 2 is it reveals that Chatterer is a teenage boy. And <laughs> that lore is the foundation on which my Hellraiser <laughs> fandom is built. He jerked off so much that they made him, made him a Cenobite. Like, listen, yes. man, you've been, you've been, uh, honorarily added to the order of the gash just because of how much you pound it. Um, <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like, and I, I say this as a huge fan of Hellbound Hellraiser 2. I think Child's Play 2 is a better movie because there was so much more intentionality around, like, the plotting of this movie and making sure that like, because it does what a good horror sequel should do. I think where it takes the previous movie keeps the stuff that was good about that movie and then adds a dimension and tries to push the envelope a little further. And I think it does that perfectly. Yeah. I think it's one of the few, uh, major studio sequels to actually, um, add something rather than to like detract from the mythos yeah and like hellbound hellraiser 2 i mean obviously i love it but the second one doesn't so much add mythos as answer a lot of questions i didn't necessarily have which is like <laughs> right let's belabor this point and talk about leviathan for an hour and a half <laughs> yeah i'm not like hey what was pinhead doing around world war one like i don't he's a cenobite shut up um now scrolling up the list uh, list a little bit Quincy, at number 180, uh, we have uh, another uh, 
sort of mean-spirited horror movie uh, with Wishmaster. Gosh, I have to say that Wishmaster is better than uh, Child's Play, just as a franchise in general. Mm. I think the first two, definitely. So, so tell me, what, what is it that you think uh, gives Wishmaster the, the edge over Child's Play too? I mean, I think it's just um, Andrew Divoff. Mm-hmm. If yeah. going character actor <laughs> to character actor. <laughs> Matt, oh my god, can you imagine Andrew Divoff and Brad Dourif being in the same movie? Uh, it it can't be done. It's just too much in one place. It's like De Niro and Pacino in Heat. Like it's just it's it, you can't you can't mix you can't cross those streams. Um, yeah, yeah. I think I think you're right. Also because Wishmaster is um, very. I feel like it never gets a lot of love because it was in that sort of dead period of horror in yeah. the mid '90s. Um, where, you know, around Scream, we kind of knew what 90s horror looked like. But, you know, before that, Wishmaster was out here being like, I don't know, we gave Kane Hodder and Robert Englund and Tony Todd something to do after school to keep them, like, busy. So <laughs> they're in this movie. Um, but yeah, I think Wishmaster is probably a better movie. Scrolling down a little bit, I also think that Creep 2 at number 185 is a better sequel than Child's Play 2 because I think Creep 2 fixed shit that was wrong with creep and made it something better yeah yeah creep 2 improves upon the original premise whereas uh child's play 2 just kind of adds some more fun yeah yeah and 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 it is fun like the cinematography is great it's a it you know thrills and thrills chills and spills um scrolling down a little bit at number 187, we have The Devil's Candy, which is the satanic panic uh, horror movie featuring Ethan Embry and his kind, kind eyes, who I love so much. Um, I'm going to propose a thing. I think Child's Play 2 is better than The Devil's Candy. Now, um, why do you think that? I think that because Devil's Candy, uh, it shoots for a message with the relationship between Ethan Embry and his daughter in that movie that... I think it's a sweet relationship, but, like, I, I always walk away from that movie going, it was starting to say something, and then the movie finished before it got finished saying that thing in a way that really frustrated me. Yeah, it definitely doesn't stick the landing. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think, you know, between, like, potential for something sort of deeper, and, like, you know, and you know, not that a horror movie needs to you know, have a message or, or leave me with, you know, anything on a, you know, moral level or whatever. Uh, but I think missed opportunities versus perfectly executed like cheeseburger with Child's Play Two. Like I'm, I want to give the edge to Child's Play Two for sure. But right above Devil's Candy at number one eighty six is Fiend Without a Face. That's a tough one. What do you think? I think Fiend Without a Face is better. Yeah, yeah. I think it has more clarity of purpose. Fiend Without a Face is a movie that, while I'm watching it, I am entirely sure where I am at all times, in a way that, like, with Child's Play 2, I mean, like, the third act is fantastic, but the middle part of this movie does get kind of soggy, where it's, like, trying to figure out what the plot of the movie is going to be, and then it eventually finds it. And also, Fiend Without a Face is really good effects for 1958. Oh, yeah. Oh, completely. Like, that's actually the... Um, I, I've, I've gotten into watching uh, 50s horror movies because of Fiend Without a Face, because, like, that's kind of a blind spot for me, because 
I never really got into, like, sci-fi horror stuff from the 1950s and, like, Cold War stuff. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of going back now and watching it, and it's pretty it's pretty hit or miss, but when it's good, it is really good. Yeah, for sure. When it's good, it's it's real good. Yeah. But So I feel really good about that. So coming in at our new number 187 out of 543 is Child's Play 2 from 1990. And guys, uh, at the time of this recording... Uh, it is available on the Peacock Network if you want to watch it, as well. Uh, also, the the Child's Play TV series is available on Peacock. Um, which, by the way, I got Peacock entirely so that I could watch Halloween Kills, and I bitterly regret this purchase. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I'm never getting that money or that two hours of my life back, and I'm I'm, I'm bitter about it. Uh, Quincy, where can our listeners find us on the internet? Uh, the best place for our listeners to start is FaustianNonsense.com. There they can find a link to our list and our podcast feed, as well as uh, all the other shows on our podcast network. Hell yeah. Um, they've just come out with a new show called Super Suits uh, or that they've just announced. Uh, Alistair Stewart's going to be on it. It's going to be a fun time. Um, and guys, we are on Letterboxd. We are on Tumblr at Rank and Vile and on Instagram at Rank and Vile. Um, we're usually shitposting on Twitter at Rank and Vile Cast. Guys, if you want to be part of the community and hang out with other like-minded ghouls, uh, go ahead and join our Discord server, where we mostly, uh, we, we've got a true crime channel, which is almost entirely for sharing upsetting things we found on the internet and not actual true crime, which I feel is, like, the purpose of a true crime channel. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Yeah, on a thing, if you're posting, like, upsetting cakes instead of, like, actual true crime stuff, it's a hoot. You, you guys are, are going to want to check that out. Uh, but yeah, so uh, that is about all I've got. You got anything else? Stay spooky. Later, folks.